0: Hi, welcome to this episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, where every week I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high impact nonprofit. I'm your host, Brooke Richie Babbage, and I'm so excited you're here. So today's topic is one that comes up all the time in my conversations with the organizations that I work with and in particular with a lot of the leaders in my impact accelerator program it's about capacity where am I going to find the capacity to do everything that we need to do and usually when folks stress about capacity they mean people Right? The team is too small. We are stretched thin. I can't grow the way that I want. I have great people, but we are maxed out and doing great work, but we need more. We need more capacity. And since generally speaking, it's really tough to sort of wring additional hours <laughs> out of already taxed people. Um, and that's not what we want to do. We have to think differently about capacity. We have to look at our systems. We have to look at our infrastructure. We have to think strategically about how to get greater return on our investment of hours. We have to grow our capacity by working smarter, not by working more. So when we think about things like finding the capacity to build our influence through thought leadership that's a a big one that comes up where am i going to find the time um, to to do thought work right where am i going to find the people to help us find and cultivate all of these new supporters that are going to turn into donors where am i going to find the capacity to manage our board to plan fundraising campaigns and events to have the the space in my head and in my calendar to be strategic about growing partnerships. This is all about capacity. So my answer is always the same. Untapped capacity can hide in plain sight. And in this case, it's in the form of our informal networks. That's what I want to talk about today. The dozens, sometimes hundreds of people that are just floating around in your world that you know, that you have met and maybe aren't necessarily particularly close to, that aren't connected to the organization in a structured or concrete way, but that are actually a wellspring of untapped capacity. These are people you've met at conferences, friends of board members with whom you're loosely acquainted, people you sit on working groups and in coalitions with, all of the people that are in your ecosystem are sources of untapped capacity this loose network is brimming with potential and i want to talk about that today how to leverage some of that potential to expand the return on investment of time and effort that you get from working with the people in your ecosystem so The key is this concept of a leveraged network, and I talk about this a lot in my accelerator program, the idea of a leveraged network. It is a constellation of structured relationships with micro groups of people within your broader network that can be leveraged to expand organizational capacity, influence and impact. So when we think about our organizational capacity and the people in our networks that fuel our work, we tend to think about our staff and our board, which totally makes sense. These are the people sort of under the proverbial tent, so to speak, the people that are the most direct and influential fuel for our mission. The concept of a leverage network invites us to go to the next level, to look at other people in our ecosystem people beyond our staff and our board and ask is there a way to bring this person under the tent can we structure our relationship with this person in a way that deepens their connection to our work and increases our ability to ask them for help think of it this way leverage networks formalize your organization's access to a larger number of people who have information, experience, and skills that you can use. That's what our team and our board do for us, do for the organization. They are people with information, experience, and skills and a commitment to our mission. So leverage networks are about formalizing relationships with more of those people without them necessarily having to raise their hand and say, yes, I want to join your staff or yes, I want to join your board. And at the same time, without you having to say the right relationship between you and this organization is that you be on the staff. That's not always true. And it's not necessarily always true that the right, most appropriate relationship between the organization and a person in your ecosystem is that they serve on the board. But there still could be information, expertise, experience and skills that that person could bring to bear as additional capacity fueling your mission. So as you identify your strategic objectives for a year, let's say, you want to have a wider range of people under your tent to turn to to help you achieve these end goals. Ultimately, this allows you and your team to achieve things you otherwise couldn't. So there are four basic types of structured relationships to consider in a leveraged network. Each of these structured relationships can be leveraged to increase capacity in the areas of strategy, impact, marketing, and fundraising to move your work forward. Now, I've created a great download that shows the relationship between these types of structured relationships in a really effective leveraged network, I'm going to go through all four of them. But you can get a download that creates that provides basically a visual of what I'm about to talk to it's in the architecture of impact toolkit, which is where I've combined all of my downloads and freebies that basically take what I talk about in these podcasts to the next level. You can get all of the downloads and freebies that I have referenced that I'm talking about here and all of the ones from past podcasts I add to this toolkit every week or so at richiebabbage.com backslash architecture of impact toolkit. I've also created a far more in-depth how-to guide that walks through everything I'm talking about here as well as how to set up A leveraged network how to assess your network how to identify the right people how to identify the right structured relationships how to access them how to manage those relationships everything you'd want for setting up a leveraged network in your own ecosystem and you can get that at the nonprofit leadership resource hub which is richiebabbage.com backslash nonprofit resource hub okay so what are these four basic types of structured relationships that you want to have in your leveraged network the first is volunteers these are people who offer their time skills and services to support your programs and operations so think about how to leverage a structured volunteer group or program to increase your programmatic impact that's this sphere of influence that this particular type of structured relationship is going to be best leveraged for your programmatic impact Not every organization can have a structured volunteer program. When I was running my organization, one of the challenges we had was that there wasn't really a way in for like a volunteer core, right? We couldn't have a lot of people volunteering with the young people in our programs. That's just not how we were set up. But I did because I had this idea of structured relationships and leveraging for greater capacity. I did try to think about other creative ways that I could structure volunteer relationships. Now for my organization, because we provided advocacy support, I actually wound up having really incredible partnerships with universities to get volunteer graduate students as researchers and really great relationships with law firms to get volunteer associates as policy researchers and writers. And so our volunteer program didn't look like the same type of structured relationship that say some other youth organizations might have where you have volunteers working directly with young people. We just weren't able to do that. But we did because I was really thinking about how can I structure a relationship with people who want to give their skills and services and time, who want to volunteer to support our work, what might that look like? So a lot of the work that we did was policy systems level advocacy work, and I didn't have the money for the first two thirds of the time that I was running my my organization as I was building it, you know, getting it off the ground and building it, I didn't have the money to hire a director of advocacy or any sort of high level policy person. So this type of structured relationship, volunteers that could do really, really great, high-impact, high-level legal research and policy writing and policy research, that was really valuable in terms of capacity for my organization. So this first type of structured relationship with volunteers, you want to think, creatively about how can you structure relationships with people and again it's the structured part it isn't having one or two volunteers that show up that's really hard to manage. You want to have structured relationships, so the structure that I set up was with university partners and institutional partners that could then help me create micro groups of volunteers that were much easier to manage, so you want to think about how to leverage a structured relationship with volunteers to increase programmatic impact. The second is advisors. So these are people who offer expertise and guidance typically and sometimes brand equity, right? They're the the value of having their name on letterhead to support your organization. They're willing to basically volunteer their time and their thought partnership to you and your team. Now, a structured relationship with your advisors usually looks like something like an advisory council or an advisory board. At their core, all advisory boards have a single goal, or they should, and that's to help your organization. However, there are different kinds of nonprofit advisory boards. Some are symbolic right this is the agreement to lend their name or their influence to help build brand awareness or your footprint in a particular area this is particularly helpful if you're trying to build brand awareness or increase your footprint in an area that is new strategically for your organization some are more strategic in nature the first advisory council that i ever formed again for my organization was when i was just building out our corporate partnership program and I had no idea how to do that. I had never partnered with a corporation. I thought I sort of had the basic understanding of, you know, what we would bring to the table, what they bring to the table. But, you know, as lots of folks who are in my accelerator program have heard me say, you can't sort of reverse engineer what you think you're seeing. And I knew that. I knew that I couldn't just sort of look at the websites of corporate partnerships with other nonprofits and say, oh, I see what the elements are. I'm just gonna do that. That never works. So I decided to form an advisory council of some of the corporate folks that I sat on boards with. I was really active with the city bar and there were a number of people who practiced um, corporate law, who were friends with the kinds of corporations, uh, people at the kinds of corporations that we wanted to partner with. And they agreed to meet two times a year for two years. And so it's time boxed and time limited. And they basically agreed to pick up the phone when I called for advice. Right. So one of the things that I want to highlight about that was this was not a heavy lift. I was not at all interested in creating this body of people that I had to manage and meet with and report to. What I wanted was a structured relationship with people who would agree to give me advice over time. That was it. And that was my advisory council. And it was amazing. And like I said, they agreed to meet twice a year for two years and to be available in a structured way, in a more sort of semi-formal way. When I call to ask for advice, they agreed to be known as being on our advisory council. So you can think of an advisory council or an advisory board as being dedicated to any topic that you need help with or about which you would like a new perspective. Ultimately, they are best leveraged to increase your strategic capacity And, particularly for the symbolic advisory boards, to expand your marketing capacity and brand awareness. Those are the two areas where advisory councils are best leveraged. A third type of structured relationship in a leveraged network is a junior board or young professionals board. Now, I've been talking about this for... A while with folks that I've worked with for a number of years. And very recently, one of the folks in my accelerator program asked, well, can you also have a senior board that they have a lot of people who are sort of retired, who are later in their careers, not earlier in their careers that are new to nonprofit boards or just not so interested in being on a governance board, but would love to offer their time, skills and services to help increase awareness and resources for the organization. Absolutely, I loved that idea. I thought that was great. We have tended to talk about junior boards, but it's, it, they can absolutely be senior boards also. So these are people and or early or late professionals defined very broadly. Um, and so I'll, I'll pause here just to say that I have been on junior boards and helped to manage junior boards where junior was defined as You know under 30 and junior was defined as under 40. Young professionals are people in their first job, young professionals are people in their first, second, and third job. So there's no right or wrong way to define young or junior, early professional, etc. Now these are people who want to offer their time, skills, and services to help increase awareness and resources for your organization forming a junior board to harness the networks and the creativity and very often the event planning energy of a group of people who are really excited about your mission and your work and want a way to be under the tent with you can be a real power move the thing that i will highlight is of the types of structured relationships that i'm highlighting here this is probably the junior board or young professionals board is probably the most labor intensive it is not overwhelmingly or doesn't have to be overwhelmingly labor intensive definitely not as much as a governance board but compared to most advisory councils for example it is it definitely has to be managed in order to get the most leverage out of it And finally, the fourth kind of structured relationship that i'll talk about are ambassadors, these are people who agree to actively help spread the word raise awareness about your organization ask for donations on your behalf and or increase your access to and connection with constituents program participants clients etc. These should always be your board members. So first and foremost, you should always have ambassadors. Your board members should be your biggest ambassadors. You should be doing all of the things that I just mentioned. But you can really, really expand your, particularly marketing and fundraising capacity by creating a structured, intentional ambassador program. And this is something that I am really, really excited about because I have just seen it do wonders, particularly for organizations that have small development shops and don't have the internal sort of traditionally under the tent capacity for development maybe one person on their development team maybe it's just the executive director having a structure ambassador program means that you have people beyond your staff and your board who are out in the world communicating about your work spreading your programs and asking and this is key asking for resources on your behalf so this is the outline of the type of structured relationships that you would have in a leveraged network and like i said i have a much more in-depth guide that walks through how you would leverage each of these and that links to some other resources uh, about you know how do you set up an advisory council how do you set up an, an ambassador program um in the resource hub at richiebabbage.com backslash nonprofit resource hub what i will say to sort of bring this to a close is that finding ways to expand the number of structured relationships with people that are in your network or that come into your ecosystem is one of the most powerful and important capacity building strategies for an organization that wants to grow First, these structured relationships create an easy and natural landing place for people as they come into your world. So as you are out in the world, you are at conferences, you are in working groups, you are at other organizations' cultivation events, you are at program meetings, you meet people. And how many times have you met someone and had the thought, this person should be in our world. They are great, or they are so informed about our issue, or they're just really, really exciting and they have great ideas, but they're not the right fit for our board. I can't really see how to keep them close other than to say, hey, can we have coffee sometime? Which you know, busy people, (laughs) they might say yes one or two times, but that just doesn't feel right either all the time. Having a strategically leveraged network is often the answer to that conundrum. You can invite them to join an advisory council. You can invite them to join your junior board you can invite them to a series of cultivation events with an eye towards leveraging them as an ambassador, particularly if there's someone who, you know, has been in your ecosystem for a while, it's, you know, a donor that's really excited and that, you you know, they seem like they would want to do more, but you don't really have anything for them to do. You don't have a structured volunteer opportunity to offer them, you know, like I said, they wouldn't necessarily be great for your board invite them to join your ambassador program. When you want to expand the number of cultivation activities that you have in a year, but your staff and your board are already tapped out, leverage your junior board and let them take on the heavy lifting. When you're working on launching a new strategic partnership with a new school or a new community, turn to your advisors to help expand your strategic thinking, the people that you have access to, to bring into that partnership or to bring into that launch. So you can probably tell that I'm super excited about this topic. I just love this whole idea of, of thinking strategically about how to work smarter and not harder. This idea of expanding our capacity, this sense of constant overwhelm that so many people in our sector have, it's real and it's deep and it leads to burnout. And so if there are strategies like leverage networks that take some of the weight off of small but mighty teams and expand what's possible for an organization to do without requiring more money for salaries a bigger team right away a huge board that works you know overtime. if you can have an expanded impact without those things it's just really powerful and that's what leverage networks are so at the same time and i've said this before in today's episode these relationships do not manage themselves. Now, while none of them require the kind of support and engagement that your governance board does, for a leverage network to be effective, there are a few things that you want to keep in mind. One, you want to clearly define the nature and scope of the structured relationship. You want people to know, I'm inviting you to be on our advisory council, I'd love for you to be available for one meeting a year. And these are the kinds of questions that I'm gonna want to be able to call and run by you. Or this is the this is the ask, right? This is the call to action. So the nature and scope of each relationship should be really clearly defined. You should also think about having a liaison on your staff to answer questions and to coordinate. This does not have to be, it's not a full sort of management of the board kind of thing, but definitely having someone on your team that the chair of your junior board liaises with to answer questions, to make sure that they've got the names of donors as they're reaching out for events, et cetera. Now I go into this in more depth in the how-to guide. But I did want to mention that as excited as I am about leverage networks, nothing, you know, nothing manages itself. And so I wanted to make sure that I added that so that as you think about which structured relationships within your leverage networks are best and the right fit for your organization right now, you think about the management piece. So that's it. That's what I got today. I'm really, really excited about this topic of leverage networks. I really encourage you, at the very least, to check out the download that sort of provides the visual overview of what the four main kinds of structured relationships are and how they can be leveraged, you know, for strategy, for impact, for marketing, brand awareness, fundraising, etc. And like I said, that's at richiebabbage.com backslash architecture of impact toolkit. So thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of The Nonprofit Mastermind. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you think that this information and the conversations and the trainings that I do on this podcast could benefit another leader in your life, I would love if you would share with your friends. Finally, if you'd like more leadership resources and strategies in your life, sign up for my weekly newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. Each week I curate and share three articles, two resources, and a quote on a theme. And you can sign up for that at richiebabbage.com backslash leadershipforward321. That's all for now. Have a great week and I'll see you back here next week for more mastermind.